The Daily Rios, for September 21st, 2012. I said I would wait another week, but damn, I got some great responses from this week's top five episodes. So, F it. It's Feedback Friday. everybody, how you doing? This is Peter Rios. I'm not in my usual recording spot because the windows are open and there's some construction going on down the street, so it's kind of loud, so I don't know how exactly this is going to sound, but we'll find out. Uh, as I said at the top of the episode, after the reactions to this week's top five episode, I just couldn't possibly wait another week to go over some of the great fa- feedback that I've received, and apparently it's really got some people thinking And, you know, ultimately, that's one of the goals with the Daily Rio. So awesome. Yay for thinking and for discussion and for feedback. So let's jump in. First up, Rebus2 from Tumblr. And I know there's a Rebus2 on Twitter. Uh, His name is Al, so I assume that's him. Yes? No? Maybe? He writes, Well, there's a bit of insight into the developing mind of Peter Rios. This has become one of my favorite episodes of yours, as it caused me to think back on all of the books of my childhood. Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing, Super Fudge would be on my top five list as well. I'm pretty sure if you polled 30 to 40-year-olds on this topic, the majority would have a Judy Bloom book in there somewhere. Well, since I'm here, I might as well give the rest of my list in no particular order. If I Ran the Zoo by Dr. Seuss, Return of the Jedi Novelization by James Caan, The Hobbit, J.R.R. Tolkien, Psychotronic Encyclopedia of Film, Michael Weldon. I actually looked up that Psychotronic Encyclopedia, and the blurb here says, It ranges from Attack of the Killer Tomatoes to E.T., from Angels, Wild Women, and Hellcats of the Navy, to Dismember Mama and Let Me Die a Woman, from Sincere Social Commentary to Utter Trash, Psychotronic stars are ex-models, ex-sports heroes, dead rock idols, future presidents, would-be Marilyn's, and has-beens of all types. Sounds great. Sounds like exactly like the kind of book that would shape a young mind. So that's a that's an awesome list. And The Hobbit will show up on others' lists as well. And to no surprise, right? I think those of us who like comics, the crossover potential of certain books is probably great across all the lists. Um, I don't remember myself when I started reading The Hobbit, I want to say maybe junior high, and I think the paperback versions I have were celebrating a certain anniversary, so I'll have to go look that up sometime and check out uh, check out the release date of those particular versions 
And then that should give me an idea of when I actually started reading The Hobbit. Brian Poindexter says, great question. Mine were the monster at the end of this book, Streganona, Frog and Toad are friends, Curious George, and Bear's Magic and Other Stories. Of course, those are all early childhood before I got into the wonders of Choose Your Own Adventure. And yes, Brian, Choose Your Own Adventure, great, great, great fun. We did an episode back on CGS. I arranged an interview with the original publisher, R.A. Montgomery, and obviously one of the authors, about the Choose Your Own Adventure series. It was a fun episode. It's episode 269, dating all the way back from June of 2007. And there is a website for the current Choose Your Own Adventure books, uh, cyoa.com, if you want to go there. And they, they have a lot of sales, and they're still publishing, and they're still putting out books. I have to imagine they're still fun to this day. The one I remember the most, and I don't remember the title, but I remember the frustration in trying to reach the one ending. And you know how you could go backwards in the books? You could find an ending you wanted to get to and then find the page number and then look for the the one choice section that had that number and you could sort of work your way backwards. Well, I could never get into this one ending. It was a strange city. I think it was meant to be some kind of utopia, maybe a futuristic city. And I, I just never could get there and all the way. And I, I think I purposely didn't try to backtrack because I wanted to try to get to this ending and I had a damn time, hard time doing it. So I don't know if anyone knows which one that is. If you know what book that is, let me know. This would probably be one of the early ones, like from the 70s and 80s. Um, I just had a, a hard time getting to this to this ending. I used to think that you couldn't get to the ending. I used to think maybe this was they were like tricking us, but I, I doubt that. All right, next up, Chris Beckett. You reminded me of a number of books that were important to me that I had forgotten about, particularly Clifford. Early in elementary school, on library day, our library happened to be in a supply closet, I would seek out the Clifford books to read, but he doesn't make my list. Here are my five in no particular order. Number five, Clutch Hitter from the Chip Hilton series by Claire B., a fairly typical high-drama sports story that had more drama than my young imagination could contain. I read and reread this and the one other Chip Hilton book our lo local library had many times. Number four, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim by Robert C. O'Brien. Yay! I think I appreciated how dark this was, especially considering it's a children's book. The stakes were high and I was drawn into the story and hoped things would turn out way well. Great book. Number three, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. High fantasy about kids that walk through a wardrobe into a fantastical world with one of the scariest villains I encountered during my childhood. I think I saw an animated version of this first, which spurred me to find the books and read. I eventually read all seven books and have made sure my children have the correctly numbered series. Contemporary volumes are numbered in chronological order rather than publishing order, which makes little sense since Lewis would comment on previous books in his writing. Dumb move. Number two, A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Leangel. This might be just outside the 10-year-old range you put forth in your top five, but I know it's close. Starting with Star Wars and Saturday morning cartoons, I became a voracious science fiction and fantasy fan, and reading this book was a definite touchstone of my childhood, so much so that I made sure to read it in my class when I began teaching years ago. 
I made sure to read it to my first class when I began teaching years ago, he says. Again, a dark high drama mix that really appeals to my sensibilities. And first on his list, The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. This is the big one for me. In second grade, our teacher read this to us. I was so captivated that I borrowed my uncle's copy and at night would reread the chapter Mrs. Corey read to us that day. I've since read it over a dozen times. If I'm honest, it's probably approaching 20 times. And I'm anxious to be able to share it with my youngest son, having missed out on my older sons after the divorce. Even though Tolkien didn't know what he was doing, this and The Lord of the Rings are two of the best things ever written for their respective genres, i.e. children's fiction and adult high fantasy, Chris. Another good list. It's been a long time since I've read Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nam, and I, I sort of want to go back and read that. Instead of rereading Worship Down for the umpteenth time, I really should go read Mrs. Frisbee. Uh, I've never read A Wrinkle on Time. I know that's big on lists. When I was doing a little bit of research, that was showing up on a lot of lists all over the uh, net for younger readers. So I really should check that out. And my girlfriend and I actually just finished watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy in, uh, you know, due in time for The Hobbit eventually, you know, the release of The Hobbit in a couple months. And it made me realize I always get to that last movie and I think about how when I read the trilogy... I can never really remember what happens in Return of the King. It's the it's the one book, even though I've read it four, five, six times all the way through from Hobbit to the end, it's the one that kind of was a little nebulous in my brain. So I want to go back and read them all, and who knows? Uh, I mean, I'm still trudging my way through The Stand. It's still a great read. I don't know if I'll have time to finish that and finish The Hobbit before the movie comes out. I mean, maybe. movie doesn't come out till what, December, I think? Maybe? I don't know. We'll have to see. So, yes, yes, Chris, great list. Chris Campbell says, fun episode, my sons love Clifford. John Wimmer writes uh, and says, Mike Mulligan and his steam shovel. The Mad Scientist Club, Encyclopedia Brown, Pokey Little Pup Puppy, and the Calcutta Affair of the Man from Uncle Big Little Book, if you recall those. Lots of Big Little Books, actually. I'm not sure if I recall those Big Little Books. I think I do, and then when I researched it, I went, I don't know if I've ever read those. I often wonder sometimes if some of what we read as kids is dictated by where we live in within the U.S. I don't even mean globally. I just mean within the U.S. Do certain smaller publishers locally try to get books into libraries, and that's why we're f more familiar with some books than other parts of the country? I don't know. I mean, that, I don't know. Especially in the time when I grew up in the 70s and 80s. Uh, not so much now, where everything is kind of universal in a way. But, uh, you know, something, something to think about. Bill Dowdy, I, I imagined this was probably a topic close to his heart. He says, loved your top five Tuesday episode this week. When I think of my childhood, among the first things that always comes to mind are the books I read. And the Dallaire Greek Myths book looms largely in mine. Still have my childhood copy, and I still take it off the shelf and thumb through it now and then. Did you know they also did a Norse mythology book? I did not. It was out of print for years, and I was never able to find it until they finally republished it a few years ago. Haven't had the chance to read it yet, but it's just as beautiful to behold. My own top five. Number five, Choose Your Own Adventure. Escape by R.A. Montgomery. Choose Your Own Adventures were always fun reads, but this is far and away my favorite. Besides being the first one I ever read, it was shockingly dark. A U.S. split into three new countries by presumably nuclear civil war, 
totalitarian regimes, espionage, intrigue, and a shockingly high number of you-died endings, even for a CYOA. R.A. Montgomery is a god. The CGS interview with him remains a favorite episode. Number four, Banicula by James and Barbara Howe. The entire series featured Dog Harold X, Cat Chester, and the titular Vampire Bunny were all good, but the original was always my favorite. I've always had a sense of humor that was both very dry and very appreciative of screwball antics, and this satisfied both of those comedic itches in spades. Number three, The Children of Odin by Padraig Colum, the other great mythology book of my youth. I took this out of the library so many times, my mom told me to just buy my own already, which I gladly did. Norse tales are full of nobility and heroism, even with all the drinking and killing, but under the pen of Irish poet, novelist, playwright Colum, they got downright beautiful. Number two, the Encyclopedia Brown series. I knew I could never be Batman or Superman, but there was always a chance I could have been Encyclopedia Brown. Not only were the mysteries clever, but the whole series read like nerdy kid fantasy camp. The smart kid is well-liked and sought out by everyone. He always wins because he's smarter than everyone else. Adults would turn to him for help, and the prettiest girl in the school was his best friend, partner, and bodyguard. Sign me up. And the first on his list, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Maybe a cheat because I was 11 or 12 when I first read this, but this book completely exploded my brain. I appreciated absurdity, British humor, and sci-fi, but it never occurred to me that they could be combined into the perfect midpoint between Monty Python and Doctor Who. This was the first book I can remember that truly changed me. My sense of humor, my own writing, my thoughts, and even the way I looked at the world. Keep up the great work. Excellent list. Even though I remember watching the PBS broadcast of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy during the 80s, I've only ever gotten through maybe halfway through the book. And when I mean the book, I mean uh, the big leather-bound book that has a whole... Maybe, maybe it is just the first. I don't know. I don't know if I've read Beyond Hitchhiker's Guide. I think I did. I don't know. I don't know. I do not know. Isn't that a shame? I remember seeing the movie, and I've seen that series, and I've read up to a certain point. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I need to get back to that. Yikes! Uh, but I didn't read it when I was uh, ten or younger. That's for sure. All right, and the last one on on that particular episode. This is from Murray Fox. Oh, dude, I know exactly which book you're talking about for Greek myths. My school had the exact copy that you were talking about, and I took it out all the time. Did you ever see the one that was all about the Norse mythology? Second person to recommend that. I took both of them out again and again when I was in the 5th and 6th grade. You were right. The stories were great. The illustrations were awesome. The charts and family trees were perfect for my little collector mentality. I loved being able to sort and categorize all the stories and characters, just as I would do with the Legionnaires or all the various Richie Rich characters. Other books that I enjoyed as a kid, The Wizard of Oz, loved the movie, loved the book, and when I found out that it was a series, awesome. Tracked down copies of all the stories and read them again and again. The Book of Three by Lloyd Alexander was another favorite. I was introduced to the book during sixth grade, and after reading the first book, I quickly moved on to the rest of his books. Now I pull them out every couple of years and do a reread, and I enjoy them as much as I ever did. Agatha Christie was another author that I found when I was young. Not young-young, like probably 12 or 13, but so much fun. I loved trying to guess who done it. There were a bunch of mystery series that I read when I was younger that probably led to my finding Agatha Christie. 
Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, a couple of others that I can kind of picture but can't remember cl- clearly. I mean, I can remember where they were on the library shelf, but I can't remember much beyond that. In any case, none of those books stuck with me in the way that Agatha Christie did. For me, the picture books that I remember most were probably Babar. A lot of similarities to the comics I would enjoy, lots of characters, lots of strange worlds and environments, and something of an ongoing narrative that you could follow from book to book. Great topic, Murray. Yeah, so many great suggestions. You know, the Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys books I thought about after I had recorded those, uh, recorded that episode. I've, I don't think I've read many of those books, but I do certainly remember reading them. So that was fun to, to see someone else bring that up. I've never read Wizard of Oz, the the Wizard of Oz, the original book. I've only just really read uh, the Alice in Wonderland, whatever it's, uh, what, Alice Through the Looking Glass, right? Just, uh, what, uh, maybe two years back I finally read it. There's a lot of those kids' books that I've never read, so I really, uh, young young readers' books, uh, classics, really, uh, Lion, Witch, Wardrobe. I bought it for my sister for Christmas one year, but I never read those series that series. So, yeah, lots of great stuff to put on my list to read. The good thing is is that these are relatively easy reads, quick reads for the most part, so I should be able to burn through them if I ever start a train. It's like I'm getting into it's like I'm reliving a second childhood, right? Isn't that uh, what happens when you get middle age? I don't know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> great topic, great suggestions. So glad to see people who haven't commented yet send in feedback. That's awesome. Great to see the episode kicking off a larger discussion, something to pass on, something to pass on to younger readers too, or your own children or nieces, nephews. Uh, yeah, great stuff. Keep it coming. We also have some random comments. This is Chris Sir Nightheart on Twitter says, do you ever have those phases that you're just not excited to go to the local comic shop? If I do, it's probably because I'm just being a little budget conscious. So to make sure there's little or no temptation, I just don't go into the store, which is really hard for me since my local comic shop is just two blocks away. I pass it constantly, going into the city, coming home from work, going to the bank, writing, whatever. It's there. It's always haunting me. It's like calling my name like a siren. I might go through a phase where I don't want to read as much or I just want to read something different, but that's true of anything that I obsess over. Some weeks I'm more excited to read other weeks, I'm more excited to watch TV, listen to podcasts, etc. I do like the week that includes previews, though, you know, because it's just more comics that I'm tempting myself with. But I usually try to get into the store for previews, at least. Sandy Parker says, I had the exact same reaction to the Chris Hardwick-Scott Snyder interview. I seem to recall he said Snyder created Sandman or something like that. Snyder had trouble keeping his composure. Whatever it was... The Nerdist had been popping on my radar, and I was tempted to check it out, and then that interview, his credibility went poof. Oh, and yeah, no rush on that circumcision rant. <laughs> yeah, Scott Snyder was funny. He was laughing, and, and the, the, you know, the guy, Chris, he, he was like, what, what, what did I do? And, and it just made it seem like, dude, aren't you even listening to what you're trying to say about us? It's not even true. It's, it's like false information. And he just, they just kept giggling, him and Jeff Lemire. It was fantastic. Anyway, Chris Snell says, uh, Peter, uh, would love to hear what you're getting on Wednesdays, not just highlights. And he's talking about New Comics Wednesdays episodes. And uh, I'll do that. I'll, I'll let you know what I'm getting. Uh, most of the stuff that I highlight, though, I usually do try to put on my pull list or, or I'm thinking about getting. 
so that's that's those are usually definites. And then uh, yeah, uh, I'll do that. I'll add that in. And lastly, here, Martheus Wade of Toshigawa.com comments on the website. If I ever get my rear in gear and pull the podcast trigger, I would like to have you on there to talk education. I'm about to start up a teaching comic illustration course this November. And though I have taught before, I can admit that stepping into this new endeavor makes me a bit nervous. Partially because I want it to be successful, but more so I want this to really help students get to where they want to be. I really want to help someone find their way and avoid the pitfalls that I have, to, that I have had to deal with. Maybe that's putting too much pressure on myself, but that's the reason I'm teaching. To hear someone else have jitters about those same things helps me tremendously. Excellent. I would love to come on. You know that, Martheus. I would love to come on and talk uh, about anything. I believe he teased that course a bit on his Facebook page. So when he goes live with it, I'll be sure to pass the info along to listeners that may be interested. All right, that's it for this week's Feedback Friday. Uh, Next week, who knows what it'll be. Depending on the feedback, maybe I'll do it again. But if not, I have something else sort of in mind for a Friday episode. I do want to take this time to thank everyone that donated to the Send Julian Lytle to Morrison Con Pledge Drive. It's happening uh, next weekend, actually. I saw Julian at SPX this past weekend. Gave him the last of the funds that I collected towards his plane ticket. And uh, I know he purchased his plane ticket, and he is on his way. He is going to be there next week. He is excited. I'm excited for him. I can't wait. Thank you so much again for everybody who donated. I really appreciated uh, your help. I know he's going to just have a great time, and he's going to rock that convention. So, awesome. And as always, a big thank you to Philip Duncan of superheroes-r-us.com. You can reach him on Twitter at AllAboutDuncan. If you need any help with your website or WordPress or podcast, you can work out an arrangement with him. Uh, He's been a great help with the site. And that's it. So if you want to get a hold of me, it is Peter at TheDailyRios.com. Follow me on Twitter, Peter J. Rios. Send a comment at any of those places or leave a comment on the website. Subscribe through iTunes as always. Leave a comment if you would. That'd be awesome. Have a great, safe weekend. And I will see you next week.